Hello everyone, I'm Stella. I'm Sophia. And I'm Vanessa. We host Generation Discourse. Generation Discourse is a platform for young people to come up with, share, and discuss ideas within the realm of theory and the abstract. You'll find us talking about philosophy, current events, and social concerns. Today, however, we will be discussing Eastern culture, specifically focusing on the ethics of entertainment from this lens. Alrighty. Okay, so we thought we'd just run through some quick introductions. I'm Channing. I go to Westlake. Alrighty. Hey, Channing. Cool. By the way, Channing's like a master pianist and, you know, he's going to do big things in the future. Um, Be humble, man. All right, Anna. Um, hi, I'm Anna and I'm from Kristen and I'm in like the same year as Stella. And Grace? Hi, I'm Grace. I'm from Kent. So, um, would you guys be like as inclined to perhaps boycott consumption of particular entertainment industries as you'd boycott consumption for um, like tangible goods such as like foods, like on um, fair trade foods or like meat, etc. Elaborate what you mean by boycott. Like, like, you, like, because not because you like don't like K-pop, but because like the industry itself is very unethical. That's why you like don't listen to its music, don't watch the videos it produces. In a similar way that like because um, like for example, like particular bananas aren't like produced in a fair trade uh, way, you don't buy them. I see. I don't know. I think it's easier to boycott like entertainment, in the sense that when you're buying goods that aren't fair trade like there's often a difference in price that exists right so that is like the main thing that often puts people off buying like like free range eggs for example because they're often like two dollars cheaper than the normal like dozen eggs you get and like in the case of like consuming k-pop it's much easier to just switch your consumption preference with no like oh i mean it doesn't cost you anything to listen to something else i guess um but I mean, is this like a decision you're very aware of, like when you're listening to your music, Grace? No. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's easier because I just don't like K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know a little... A specific industry, like as such, because, um, like, because of all, like, the like whole training and everything going on um, and how, like, strict it is I guess like that's why they have such good music that's why they have such good like like promoting of their their groups and that's really even though it's like a really un unethical industry it's an in, like industry which is quite effective in like producing like BTS, Blackpink all these like really really like cool groups so it's quite and like sometimes when you listen to music it's like the whole like would you listen to the uh, musician like if the like lifestyle or what they've done is like unethical if they had like a um past of like sexual abuse or something like sometimes when you listen to music people don't really take that in and like it's told like if you like the artist's life should um kind of mingle in with the music they produce and the music use i mean arguably i feel like there's a bigger distinction between like what you said about like like for example the artist's um history of like sexual abuse and like the actual unethicalness in the industry itself. Like, because like the artist being a pedophile, like might not necessarily a hundred percent, like be related to the music, if you know what I mean. Whereas like, where, when you have like, like Blackpink or like BTS or whatever going under like really unethical, um, just like training or whatever 
process like that directly that that unethical process is a produces a product of that music right mm. exactly and assuming that the artist is no longer a pedophile then by supporting that artist you're not supporting continued pedophilia however if you support a k-pop group you're also supporting the industry that churns out more traumatized teenagers like those people and so it's really difficult as a consumer to consider how your actions are going to proliferate more actions in the future based on the industry because there's so many middlemen. I think the industry, like, um, the whole, like, really unethical training, it kind of comes from, like, the three big groups, like, SM, JYP, and YG. Like, I think they are, like, the big heads of, like, the whole, like, uh, um, you can, like, train here for, like, five years, but you might not be able to debut. Like, that's kind of their thing. Um, you do get that in, like, the smaller, like, the smaller groups, like, Big Hit, which is what BTS is under. But I think it's, like, a lot less severe in that, like, circumstance. And, like, with a lot of the K-pop groups, it's not as toxic as, I think, what, like, the outer world perceives. Well, then, um, still, like, when you do talk about these big groups, though, they're, like, probably what dominates the K-pop scene, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like, as a K-pop listener, like, do you feel like you're, like, wary of, like, that's, like, JYP, or, like, like that's, like, YG, I'm just, like, you know, avoid them, you know? Mm, I think with K-pop, a lot of, like, the, like, it's, like, a lot of the time, it's not all about the music. I think it's a really, it's quite, like, a Western music culture thing to go, like, oh, their music is good, I'll listen to them, but for K-pop, it's, like, the whole persona, the vibe of the group, how good-looking they are, how good they are at dancing, how the group vibe is, and that kind of, People go like, oh, I don't want to listen to YG, but like that group's so cute. And like that kind of like overrules their like disliking of any particular like agency. So is that justifiable? Mm, it's not justifiable, but like it's inevitable. Right. And so do you think that like, no, um, what do you guys think, Channing and Grace? Like, do you think that this kind of thing deserves as much like exposure as what perhaps like tangible consumer goods um, and the ethical the ethics the ethics of like consuming them has like um in terms of like what the media says like oh you gotta buy your fair trade bananas mm-hmm. yeah but i think it's ultimately up to the actual performers themselves what they would want but we would never know we would never really know that because it's not really meant to be hidden so <laughs> i mean it's, it's meant to be hidden so we're never really gonna know but I think it's up to the performers and performers themselves because despite the unethical training they might go through, they might actually still want, um, but after all that, they still probably want people to just consume, I guess, the product they're producing. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I think it's hard because, like, if you boycott their music, I'm unsure, like, what kind of effect that actually has, like, whether that means they stop producing or, like, whether makes the industry worse because it gets more cutthroat or like they 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 go to more extremes because the thing about people still listening to that music and buying into it is because people who listen to k-pop often form like emotional connections to the group members and become extremely connected and they're and they're quite likely to be like passionate about the treatment and like the human rights of those people if they have deep connections and if they appreciate those people as artists, musicians, dancers, um, like for their talents and stuff. And so I think it's not like all that useful if you you just force people to boycott that mu- or like if 
people choose to boycott that music without any like further action I guess so what should the further action be I think it's things like particularly from like quite passionate k-pop fans trying to put direct pressure on those companies through the form of like I guess listening to the music is probably less impactful to like direct profit revenue to those companies as like concerts and merch and stuff like oh I'm not entirely sure how like I don't know things like Spotify work and how profit streams work but I get the feeling that a huge part of those k-pop k-pop group revenue is like performances on tvs and stuff which they get paid like huge amounts for and so listening to the music helps fans create an emotional connection to those like group members which forces them to be emotionally invested in their well-being but simultaneously they probably want to cut off profit streams so the groups who run those groups uh, so the companies who run those groups are more likely to be impacted directly i guess and like be more incentivized to make a change well arguably i feel like you don't like form the emotional connection with a group like through just listening to the music because like personally i feel like at the end of the day they sound quite similar and like i think as anna said like a lot of it comes down to like the persona right and so like a lot of the hardcore k-pop fans they go onto their like the their like whatever group they stands youtube channel watch their vlogs etc but I think, like, personally, like, I think what's really hypocritical about it is that, like, for example, like, Blackpink, their, their fans, like, Blinks, they're, like, well aware of how bad YG treats Blackpink. But, like, while they still, like, you know, they, they, they do things, they, they do, like, a lot of extreme measures, such as, like, um, they, they protest outside YG's building and, like, they, like, put billboards up everywhere, like, free Blackpink, right? But, like, the moment, like, anything goes like through Blackpink themselves like the members themselves they like fully supportive of it like whether um YG had any like unethical intentions or processes behind it in the first place right I feel like the companies take really take advantage of that personal connection formed between the audience and the group where like simply because of that emotional connection like a lot of their actions are able to be excused and overlooked because of that yeah i guess it like presents another issue which is like when a when a member says something this is like you just don't know if it's true or not as in if it's coming from that person directly or like if they're acting as a mouthpiece of their company if they've been like threatened to say that um which creates like a, a feeling of potentially like distrust mm. exactly and i think as vanessa said Oftentimes the K-pop groups are pretty much inherently tied to the industry because they can't really escape from their mothership. And so do you think that feasibly if enough people could boycott the industry to the extent that they can actually affect YG fiscally, um, would the K-pop groups that are supported by them actually be affected in a detrimental manner because of how much they are connected to this wider company? I don't know, how much do they get paid? Like, is it, is it a significant, like, group members, do they get paid a significant amount? I'm not sure we know. Is that, um, like, when they, when they train, they, like, it's like paying for university, um, but they pay it to the company. And so for, like, a vast majority of their time as contractors, like, once they've debuted, 
um, like in the contract, it says that like you being like a, like a debuted group under our company is just going to like help you pay back your like tuition at our company as a trainee. So, so they provide like all of the housing, all the food, like everything, their entire lifestyle for um, their groups. But like what they get paid and I think is just like paying back essentially their loan to the company. So they never get like enough profit to essentially break away or like, or like significant amount enough of profit to like sustain themselves. Yeah. I think um, most of the time what you see is like, if, if a group disbands, like they become nothing really, unless like they get really lucky and find like an alternative, like good company that's willing to invest a lot in their solo career. But I think um, the reason for that is just because they don't have enough like capital themselves to be able to do anything after they leave a company. It depends how big the group was. Like if it was like, like, mm, like BTS who like disbanded, that's definitely like companies who are willing to take them on all on as solo artists because they're so like well known. They have so much potential because of that. I was was my, um, like my hardcore K-pop friend and she reckons that like, if like, for example, like Blackpink, like a really well-known, such a well-known group disbanded, like probably only one or two of them would survive as solo artists. That's the thing is outside of every hardcore K-pop fan, right? You just know about the name of the group and maybe one or two of the artists within that group. But I would find it very difficult to find someone who can name every single one of the people in the group and name a unique trait about them. This isn't a jab. It's just that they've been so kind of collectivized by this group image, as you mentioned, Anna. And so I feel like that really contributes to the difficulty in breaking away because they've never been given the opportunity to actually develop as an individual with a stage Mm -hmm. presence. Mm. And like, I think the like difference, I guess, in the K-pop industry is that like, they don't really choose off talent sometimes. They choose off like, like, they want like a strong member of everything in the group but then like after they like become like art in the group they want to member of all jacks like like I think they don't like they train to be like like a group member instead of like as you said like an individual artist Mm. well I mean I at the same time though I feel like um if you look at the k-pop scene like I think it's transitioning to definitely like a more western style where you have more individualistic um, like solo artists or even like group members, a lot of them are like breaking away from like the typical mold of like, you got to break away from like the beautiful Korean mold. Um, like, you know, like really dainty, like really pretty. And, um, you know, a lot of them like going really beyond that. Like, for example, I think there was, um, a member who like left, like she, she just decided to leave her group a long time ago. Then she became like fully like owning her sexuality. And she got a lot of flack for that from Korea because, you know, they're quite conservative. But it turned out that she was really doing really well in like um, the Western audience. And so I guess that like leads us on to like the way that K-pop can also be, um, you know, supported by like a really strong Western following, right? Like I feel like Blackpink, the reason why they're so good is just because like they include a lot of English in their songs, right? And so people like, like white people, like Western people can like understand that and be like, yeah, I, I know <laughs> something. 
So do you think, Vanessa, for a group to feasibly break away from their parent company, they have to become desirable enough for Western audiences, or at least audiences that are outside of Korea, to be able to spread their wings? Honestly, yeah. Probably, yeah. So just think in the Western um, kind of like idealization of like art history, like individuality is such a key part of it. But then again, like a lot of that, like individualism is just, it's, it's like similar to, you know, the Korean industries, like um, perhaps like fake representation of like the perfect Korean girl in like Western society, maybe it's just like a fake um, and like dramatized version of like an individual who was like so unique and so like, I don't know, like flamboyant and such. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all just like an appearance kind of thing. Yeah. So I think you might be onto something though, because in Western cultures, right, you do have a certain level of inauthenticism, but um, people do care a lot about the person behind the artist. And so you'll see a lot of interviews with them, you'll see magazine articles about them, like kind of taking a look around their flat. And so I think that the moment one of these K-pop groups breaks into the Western market, they are now exposed to people wanting to know more about them as people. And that immediately gives them more freedom. What do you guys think, though? Do you think it's all right for a K-pop group to reject their home culture in order to be able to gain a higher level of individual freedom? I mean, it's their choice, isn't it? Like, you can't really just keep them trapped in a cage the whole time. Do K-pop artists actually gain individual freedom after they, like, I don't know, like, if BTS is, like, more internationalized? Like, they don't, like, do they actually, like, are they able to do, like, anything they want? And are they able to, like, kind of break out the persona they've built up in Korea about, like, being extremely polite and really, really nice to everyone and, like, unconditional love to their fans? Like, that's still kind of present. That's not something they can get away from under the agency. Well, I feel like BTS's style is, like, so much different to, like, other traditional boy groups, though, right? Like, their, their collaborations with, like, um, Sia and um, Halsey, is it? Um, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, well, what I find really interesting about BTS is they're able to be so successful while being, like, really different to what is, like, the traditional K-pop boy group. And that comes under, like, they're from a different agency. Like a completely like small agency which was like like about to go bankrupt before like BTS yeah. became famous. Yeah. My friend my friend argues that the reason why like BTS was able to be like so big was because like they were like the first group to like talk about real feelings rather than just like like funny or like superficial love or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the thing that Stella said about like breaking away from your home culture to like for the potential of individual liberty. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because I don't think, again, that there's, like... Yeah, like, I don't think it's bad that K-pop groups are, like, telling more about themselves to their Korean fans as well. Like, even though Korea might be quite conservative, I don't think there's anything wrong with them hearing more about other people's people. But, yeah, like, Asian... Like, especially East Asian culture can often be quite like focus on the product that's being presented and not the people. I think that's often what causes um, like industries, even like loads of other industries in those countries to Mm. overlook 
to overlook the people and their treatment and their well-being for the sake of the product that's being produced. So even like singers in China or like, oh, I don't know, like other variety of audiences. So I think it's fine that K-pop is sort of, because it has an appeal to Western audiences, sort of like being the trailblazers for um, East Asian people and East Asian cultures to realize that it, you need to care about the people behind the products that are being made because it's even in music which is like a pretty oh i don't know about k-pop but generally in music it's like a pretty personal product and like is fit into by a lot of your personal experiences and like emotions and stuff so it is important to understand the person i think i think quite interesting how you talked about other industries in korea because like like Korea is a really, really competitive environment, and like that shows in the K-pop industry. But you see, like schools, you see like suicide rates in like high schools, and you see how competitive the work industry is, and how the like women are like have to present themselves as being like, um, like really fair skin and like really defined features all the time. Surgery. And that kind of ex- like explains in a way why the K-pop industry is so toxic. Because the entire country, that's kind of how they function. It's from like intense competition. It's from people overworking their jobs. It's from like people being like overly stressed and like really idealizing um, how they look. I mean, I, yeah, I think um, definitely like groups like BTS are paving a way for like a more individualized kind of entertainment industry. But like at the same time, like if you just imagine like a BTS but just like chubbier <laughs> or like less perfect facial, like um, what is it? Like, like a less perfect face. Like at the end of the day, that's not going to go down well, you know? Yeah. And like, I feel like even if like Korea produces like a group that like that, at the end of the day, that's just going to appeal to like Western groups rather than Korean, like Korean society. And so that doesn't actually make a significant difference in the way that like Koreans kind of perceive what is good in an entertainment industry. So I feel like, you know, like how, I don't know. I feel like this kind of ingrained like superficiality in the way that like East Asia societies consume, like not just like products, but like entertainment. It's such an ingrained thing. Like how, how are we ever, like able to kind of change that, you know? So more or less to produce a good product, it's more or less just a necessary evil. And we're not too sure what we can do about it. I mean, like arguably, like it's not like Western um, products, like entertainment products aren't bad though, right? I think it's kind of been established that, you know, you can have multiple different environments that produce a good product and they don't necessarily have to be hyper-competitive like those in Korea. Um, I mean, because you do have good Western musicians who have just been brought up from a small town in Arizona, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But I guess the question is, like, if Korea were to fully reject this competitive upbringing, would they ever be able to create a different cultural set of specifications that would be able to bring up musicians that are self-made? Or would they be so kind of fully indoctrinated by themselves that this is the only path that they know how to take? I mean, I feel like this is just like a wider issue of just like Asian materialism, you know? Yeah, you could bring it down to that. Yeah. 
like you look on the streets of China and you just see everyone wearing like the same, like, I don't know, like what do they wear? Gucci, Gucci jacket, LV bag. And like same kind of, I don't know, for the rich, rich people, at least same Lamborghini car. Like I feel like it's like, it's congruent to the way that like you have the, like the exact same beauty standards for these entertainment industries in the same way. It's like, yeah, the exact same standards for like what is considered a luxurious or like a, or just like a good life, you know? Like what you said about uh, like how like everyone kind of ate it, like tries to buy the same things so, like the same brand and everything. Mm, I don't know. I feel like that's more of a just, it's not, it's not just Asia, like which does that. And that's kind of like a more a global, like a widespread thing. But I was thinking like back to the um, like K-pop industry and the culture, like what's, people in Korea kind of want from the K-pop industry. For them, entertainment isn't a place where they're like, listening to like all like the creative like music, which the music, like musicians create. They come, don't like want to go there for like a haven, where like they are with people who like all like are like infatuated with this boy group and this boy group can like give them un- like unconditional love. They're like, ah, like, oh, I love you. Like um, so much like love for all of my fans who support me. Like they want that environment where they like receive all that love after like a really stressful day at work where like, for them, like, I think them, like, buying all of this merch and stuff, it's something which they, like, thoroughly enjoy. And it's something about the culture, which, like, affects the industry. So as long as, like, and if the industry wants to appeal to, like, Koreans, that's what they have to do. And that's, like, kind of why they, like, the artists themselves, like, they can't show kind of, like, their individuality. And, like, all about how, like, oh, they can't be dating anyone. There's so many, like, restrictions they have to follow if they're under the industry. Because that's what, like, career citizens want. And that's not something... Showing your individuality, like, make their fans feel more loved? Well, fans only want to see a certain type of individuality. Right. I still think, like, the same kind of, like, in terms of, like, what what I said about, like, experiencing luxury applies to like East Asia, right? Like I feel like in like European or like I guess kind of like Western countries, um, like when you are like particularly rich, there's like a lot of, I guess you could say like niche luxurious products for you. Like there are like some absurd, I don't know, luxury brands that are just like a white person's name, right? There are like so many different kinds of those brands. But like I feel like that's reflective of the way that like in in Western society, they try to, cater for those different kind of individualistic needs whereas in asia it's just like gucci lv supreme i guess so i guess what you two are saying is that because of various cultural aspects of korea there is a specific demand by the collective for a boy group that they can project their wants and aspirations onto and for a specific brand that they can project their wealth onto. And so for the industry to change and for these boy groups to flourish within their own community and culture, you would need a full-on cultural revolution. Cultural revolution round. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be extreme. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Because my personal belief is that it's like very deeply ingrained like all aspects of the culture not just for the entertainment industry i think what's really interesting like um adam when you're talking about like what these fans are looking for 
like I've, I've sometimes asked my friends like why why do you dedicate your entire waking hours to looking at bts or like no no like lei zhang or something like that <laughs> i think it's really interesting that they say like like i find inspiration in like seeing like really successful people who like dedicate so much of their time to interacting with fans that like it makes me want to work harder but i think it's interesting but like at the same time like i'm kind of like doubtful of that because I'm, I'm i think like you know do you're like do you really work harder just because like you watch lei zhang i think it's because of all the hardships which like the artists are in like the asian entertainment industry that like, you see them oh my god like go go oh my god he hasn't slept for like three days Oh, he's like he's so like hardworking. Okay, I'm gonna like stop my like uh fangirling. Like, like I've been like fangirling for like five hours. I'm gonna stop this. I'm gonna start working hard for like an hour. And then that like big like surge of motivation kind of just like drops down after thirty minutes, and you go back to like fangirling. So it's like a motivation, but it's like you spend a lot more time like dedicated to this artist compared to how they kind of create more motivation for you. Yeah. So it's like a cycle. Yeah. I think it's interesting because um, there was this um, there was this television show in China called um, Youth with You, and like a lot of like its central themes is like a hundred and something girls like pulling all nighters, like training hardcore for these like shows and stuff just so they could be in the top nine to debut. Mm-hmm. And, like they they really glamorize that. Like they're like they have like slow mo montages of them like sweating and like like dancing and just like crying and stuff. And they have like shimmery <laughs> letters like you only you are only young once. And I just find it like so toxic, right? Like it feeds into a lot of like the toxic hardworking culture of like East Asia as well. These these girls are literally pulling like all nighters, like not eating anything just to get like to forty kilograms, you know. And it and the TV show glamorizes that like this is youth. So it's kind of like propaganda. People are just more or less being like they're just romanticizing stuff, and people's like it's just getting into people's heads, and they're getting brainwashed into thinking that it's a good thing. When in reality, if you think about it objectively, it's kind of just not ideal. And here marks the end of Eastern Culture Part 1. Be sure to tune in next week when we uncover the entertainment culture and Eastern cultures through a wider lens, considering the effects that these countries' politics may have on them, and diverging into a discussion about the politics. If you like this episode, give the podcast a follow on wherever you're listening so you'll be the first to know when we upload. We'll be releasing an episode every Sunday New Zealand time. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're Generation Discourse everywhere.